Hello, and welcome to The Feedcast, a monthly podcast created and sponsored by Relay Network. As the feed technology pioneers, Relay Network feeds harness the engagement power of social and news feeds for businesses and the people they serve. I'm your host, Trisha Gabberty, and in The Feedcast, we will hear from cross-industry experts who will share their approach to driving meaningful and powerful customer engagement. In under 30 minutes, you'll gain usable insights and informative strategies from discussions with curated subject matter experts. In this episode of The Feedcast, we pick up on the second half of my conversation with Wook Chung, Chief Product Officer at Barrow Money. Join me to listen in as Wook continues our discussion on the benefits of feed technology and financial services, its potential for healthcare, and shares his vision of the future. Like many of us, I have at least a dozen apps on my phone that I never access. Right, You get bombarded with email messages and text messages all the time. How do you make sure, what's that balance of sending me the right feed in the right cadence? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a great question, Tricia. That's the reason why I think, especially in the banking industry, you're not going to be finding brand new financial insights through your day because your life mm-hmm. doesn't move at that pace. Whether it's once a month, whether it's once every two months or maybe once every 15 days, this is the reason why the feed needs to reside in a daily utility toolbox like your banking app. If you're going to the banking app to transfer money, but you happen to see the top of the feed, not the other way around. It's never going to be a feed-first app. It's always going to be a banking-first app, but the feed guarantees you that the bank or the system is trying to optimize your life as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Now, to your original original question of why do you not see a feed in your banking app today? It's because I would say that the investment towards a feed is not necessarily something that's aligned with what the bank considers important today or for this quarter's revenue or earnings or whatnot. And when those two things misalign, no matter what good you're trying to do for the world, will always come across as a luxury from the investment perspective. As well as, okay, if I had that number of engineers to run that, I would rather do this instead. The companies that have succeeded with feeds are the ones that live and die on the feed. TikTok without a feed is there's no TikTok. Right. But I mean, how can can you put a value on customer engagement, right? Because you're constantly engaging with your customer and within a feed. So I don't understand why banks would not see that as an investment that's worthwhile. It is really, really tough. Because if you look at the way that banks make money, customer engagement and how much savings you bring in is very, very loosely correlated at best. Versus on Facebook, the more you scroll, the more ads you click, therefore it, it converts. So I'm not necessarily saying banks are mal-willed or anything. It's not like that. It's just that it doesn't make sense to invest in a feed looking at where they are from a sort of a... Uh, revenue optimizing, maximizing earnings perspective. It just doesn't make sense. And that's the reason why I do not think that despite the fact that what you and I just chatted about in the last 45 minutes sounds so obvious, it is going to be very, very difficult for a legacy banking institution to do this. I do think, however, that there is a recent breakthrough in generative AI, but forget generative AI. It's more about large language models. and, and, And the fact that AI is great at seeing every data and being able to summarize the essence of that. That's, that's what AI is meant for. When you go talk to a new CFP, they'll, you'll spend the first two hours just answering questions. Okay, what's your right. goal in life? Where are you? How many kids do you have? Yada, yada, yada. But 
that's the also the reason why you never change CFPs because you don't want to rebuild that history and you mm-hmm. keep you know checking in with your CFP or wealth manager once every six months, whatnot. Right. An app and AI and machine learning can do that infinitely better than a human being. And on top of that, now you have chat GPT slash sort of generated AI that can communicate back to you in a humanistic way. So I do think that it is a breakthrough right now. Like, for example, Mint should have over 20 years of my financial history of myself. Mm-hmm. If anything, if Mint merges that with AI that can analyze where I should be, and even non as a financial advisor, but like literally just show me all the options that's possible in my life and the outcomes typically that happens with my type of sort of like lifestyle and income and whatnot, mm-hmm. like that'd be valuable. Absolutely. But, but if you expect a bank to do that, you would say, okay, it's just not going to happen. But rather than doing, you know, you're saying hiring the engineers to, to do something like this, to, to build and develop and implement it. If you were to get a plug-in or to buy do an external vendor feed, wouldn't that still appeal? As, because you don't, the churn and the attrition, you know, you ca- sometimes these these banks are carrying deadweight accounts for years mm-hmm. that are still costing them so much money to carry on their books. Isn't it better just to help clean house by the use of a tool like a feed? Remember, there's two parts of the feed. One is the maintaining and maintenance and the sort of the organizing and ranking of the feed. But then there's also at the other side, generation of the content to even be ranked. You can have the world's best ranking algorithm on your feed, but if there's no content to serve, there's no feed, Mm -hmm. right? TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, new content is being generated every single second, thousands of them. And that's the reason why the feed can be healthy. So to me, I feel like, yes, a bank can leverage a third-party solution that delivers you the functionality and the system and the maintenance of the fee uh, of the feed perhaps 90 95% of the you know way there with a relatively low cost however then the subsequent cost is about can you keep up with the content right and a lot of times what you know institutional would do is oh let me just sign up and make a deal with a bunch of news aggregators let's serve some news in there well guess what i didn't open my banking up to go read news did i right Right. So no, there, it has to be personalized. Exactly. So there has to be a strategy, and the breakthrough here is not just the feed, but being able to analyze the user's data, whether it's connected mm-hmm. linked accounts or just purely with that bank, and being able to generate that post, or you can call the card, automatically. Right. And this mm-hmm. is why I said that there might be hope and breakthrough with recent generative AI, because mm-hmm. prior. AI can definitely look at my 20 you know, plus years of financial history and they can re- you know, recommend something for me. But the recommendations and the creation of the content had to be done by a human being. Right. And now we have AI and exactly. machine learning and all of that that can pull it together exactly. for us and, and keep it relevant. And I think to your, it also speaks to that, that cadence again. Yeah, yeah. Right? Exactly. Because I don't really need to hear from my bank every day. But, you know, at strategic points during the week, during the month, you know, they, they know when my Zelle payments are going to be made or they've noticed I've done some transfers. Hey, did you want to transfer that money again this month or, or something? Yeah, yeah. Those triggers that you were talking about that I think many of us, we don't think about it. We don't think to open up the, that bank app to look for it, but to have it fed to us, I think would make I, I would completely big, agree. So difference. another sort of source of potentially coming up with these personalized content here is that 
Imagine if you had AI consume all of the FAQs of a given bank. There could be thousands of pages, let's say. Sometimes my personal situation requires me to read FAQ 1.2.3.17 on this article and then 15.5.3.2 on that product and combine those two knowledge. Before, I had to go search for each article, read them all, and then make sense of it. Now, the AI can look at, oh my God, okay, you're, you have a debit account with us, but you're also using our credit card. And you're complaining mm-hmm. about the money transfer between debit to, you know, and the, and the merchant refund did not hit you. That right. span across four or five different FAQs, but the AI can now mash it up together, give you a comprehensible answer, and you can put that on top of the feed. There you go. I have a bazillion other questions, but I'm being mindful of time. So one of the questions I have is, at Varo, how do you work towards providing a full human experience, even though you're all only in the digital space? I mean, I could talk on this subject for hours, but Varo is a nationally chartered bank that's completely optimized and, and continuously being optimized for the everyday American who earns paycheck to paycheck. And mm-hmm. it is my personal belief that financial institutions today, large banks especially, not to their own fault, have been optimized for the profitable segment, which happens to be the high-income earners. And Varo is really all about financial inclusion and mm-hmm. providing the everyday American the management and reduction of anxiety, as well as a path forward. And again, that could mean a whole variety of things across your entire life, whether it's the ability to save or issue, you know, borrow credit or spend better or invest more and grow your assets and whatnot. And that naturally already should point you that Varo is extremely interested in making sure that we have personalization. We have a variety of things that we want to sort of really help people's lives with. So there's a lot of things at play, uh, especially you know now that we are you know, you know Varo is fully focused on this particular mission. We have a lot of things at play, whether mm-hmm. it manifests today itself as a feed versus a recommendation card versus some type of a different sort of like FYI email. We're still you know working things out, but our 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 purpose and what we're trying to do for the world is absolutely clear. Which kind of ties into one of the questions I was going to ask, which was how you're competing with traditional banks to entice Gen Zers um, to trust your money with you over a traditional bank. And I guess it goes back to what you're talking about, the development of these different tools or... Even without those tools though, Tricia, for example, like we, I mean, we don't charge you any fees. We try to give you a, you know, a, a, a credit line of credit when you, you know, and an and overdraft protection per se, right? For the lack of better terms. Uh, we try to give you a secure credit card that helps you rebuild credit back up. Uh, we try to give you two-day early paycheck, or you know. And, and so, at the end of the day, our customers need their money right now, right then, because you're living paycheck to paycheck with minimum cushion. And to truly serve them and meet them where their needs are at, mm-hmm. unfortunately, these customers have been trained by the existing financial institution that. They have to live with maintenance fees. They have to live with overdraft fees. They have to live with X and Y. And that's okay because that's how the world is. And so for us, it is not just about serving them and taking away these fees, but also making the economics work so that we as a bank can sustain and be profitable and serve these audiences forever. So Mm -hmm. it is not an easy problem to solve. Uh, And again, 
It's not because the existing banks or the large financial institutions have any, you know, malice built into them, right? It's just the way that the system has been optimized to maximize profitability. Mm-hmm. And so Varo has to look for different ways to do so. But again, we want to really serve the everyday American. And that has always been our mission. And we'll do whatever it takes to do, you know, uh, get that done. Well, I'm a big believer in there's always a, a better mousetrap. So I, I, I think you'll do, you'll do fine. Um, which then leads to this other question we have about banking and the future of banking. Do you think it will continue to be sort of this hybrid of online and brick and mortar? Or do you think it will eventually go all digital? Yeah, I, I, I think the digitization of more and more use cases will keep continue to increase. For example, it, you know, I, I happen to live right next to a high school, and whenever the high school is out, there's a huge line that builds up in front of Starbucks or Jamba Juice or my local sort of strip mall. I mm-hmm. have not seen cash in a long time. Everybody is either uh, paying with their apps, the Starbucks app is great, for example, or paying with NFC or their Apple watches or Samsung watches mm-hmm. or whatnot. I have not seen cash in a while. What that indicates to you is that the generation that's growing up today, including my children, cash may not literally, literally not be it, right? And, and therefore, the physical aspects of what a digital mortar, you know, brick and mortar bank means will change. And today, you know, I, I, I'm part of the generation where if it's a transfer above a certain limit, or some type of an international wire, or some type of a mortgage increase, like I would feel much more comfortable walking into a brick and mortar and sitting down with somebody. Mm-hmm. But the future generation, I don't necessarily think that that level of comfortness, that comfort that I get from being at a brick and mortar, I don't think that human wiring in their brain will happen with the future generation, which really means it really comes down to, am I confident that this AI knows who I am? Am I confident that the system has my interest first? Am I confident that this institution has the best in interest for me? So therefore, combining all those things together, that's the solution I get to trust. Mm-hmm. And then I'm sure there will be another company, AI, that's monitoring all of that to tell you, no, no, they're lying or they're not lying or that's not for you or whatnot. But again, we're definitely heading into this, you can say a wonderful but also unknown world where... Mm-hmm. Finance is so important for anybody and everybody's lives. And that probably is one of the last things that are going to get fully, fully, fully digitized to some degree. But then again, there's regulations that need to get upgraded. There's, you know, uh, typical interactions and, you know, money movement that needs to get upgraded. But yeah, we're, I mean, we're, 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 we're trickling along on, on that path of innovation. Well, when you think of all the technological changes that have taken place just over the last 25, 30 years, it's it's dizzying. So I yeah. can only imagine as my generation moves on out and the next, you know, your children are growing up as digital natives. So for them, it doesn't mean anything to use their watch to pay. I still haven't even gotten the watch, so I'm, I'm behind it all. Um, I have one question I need to swing back to because I, I forgot to ask. There's a trend of consumerism, okay, that's been occurring across industries, most notably in healthcare. As patients become increasingly in control of their healthcare choices and payments, organizations are um, sort of being forced to, to rise to meet these expectations. And, and that includes um, frictionless customer experiences, right? Mm-hmm. With payments, with, with the appointment setting, all of that. What can the healthcare industry or healthcare organizations learn from Facebooks and Amazons of the world? 
Oh my God. I, I think healthcare is even even more desperately in need for personalization than financial than banking. Although I, I would say that like both are pretty much uh, neck and neck. I mean, healthcare is all about my personal stats and vitals and data that needs to then summarize under the human species category to see mm-hmm. where I am and how healthy I am and what might be the issue. If you use WebMD, all they do is ask you various symptoms and tell you seven different things that you could be subject to. <laughs> Right. And this is where it's yes. sometimes it's like, yeah, it could be a doctor Google cancer, right? Like you're just like, okay, which yeah. one's which, right? <laughs> but imagine a world where not in the, in the not too distant future, your heart rate, your glucose levels, your whatnot, maybe you might have health oriented toilets that analyze your, you know, uh, sort of like, you know, urine or whatnot in real time or whatever. Mm. And all those things are getting fed in into uh, it. So it's just going to be massive health data about yourself. There is no 24-7 human doctor that will analyze this for you at every minute, every hour of the day. Mm-hmm. So that is all AI. But now, based on that AI, there's going to be a barrage of things that come out. Hey, it might have been that you had a high-sodium dinner last night. Hey, it seems like you might have an infection. All of those things are if possibilities, as well as just FYI, not like alert, alert, you need to go to mm-hmm. you know, uh, the ER right now. That FYI category is where, in my opinion, a feed truly, truly excels. Mm-hmm. Because FYI naturally indicates that you, you could have been okay even if you didn't read it. If it's mm-hmm. a you know, stop alert, like I'm sure the AI will call 911 for me. Uh, but in majority, majority, majority of cases, there are FYIs. Like, you know, it's one of those last things that the doctor tells you after your annual visit to say, by the way, just you know, put an extra, you know, ex- extra mile in, into your you know, commute or something. Into your, or something. Right. Yeah. Right. It's those types of tips, right, that, that allow you to build a healthy habit and, and live a sort of a healthier life. I, I absolutely, absolutely think that the health industry should figure this thing out, you know. Yeah, I think, I think they're trying to. We had a couple of other guests, um, one who was uh, the chief marketing officer of a health system. And he was saying that the biggest thing they're trying to work towards now is just that common record where they can pull... I mean, we've all been living in multiple states and cities and different doctors and what have you. And and just to have that one common record and to have that in the palm Mm -hmm. of your hand on your device Mm -hmm. and you're a doctor to have it Mm -hmm. or that you could bring into any doctor, that's one. And then the other was Kane Fair, who was one of our guests from... Gray, mm-hmm. and he talked about what he called the parking lot moment. That when you get one of those sort of daunting diagnoses, and you walk out to your car, and the first thing you do is you're going to Google, right? Like how many people have survived this, or what's the treatment for that? Mm-hmm. And a, a, again, having that feed, as you're suggesting, from from my doctor's office, from my healthcare system, to say, okay, you know, here's another article about you know the foods that could help. Re- reduce your risk of, sure. of the, what you're being treated for or yep. what have you. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I think we all wish that we could wave a magic wand and have the healthcare industry and banking um, be a little bit more technical, technologically advanced. Okay. I have two questions left. So what's the next channel or engagement interface that you think is poised to upend the way consumers engage and consume content? At the end of the day, Let's say that you had 10 things to consume today. You can either scroll up and down. Mm-hmm. You can scroll left and right. Swipe. <laughs> or the 
app knows magically that you are done with a particular content and flip automatically. I do not know anything else that's possible. I mean, if you look at the new Mac Vision Pro, they track your mm-hmm. eyeballs so that they know what you're looking at. And then right. you, you know do this to click on it. But the fact that if you had cameras watching your eyeballs, then they can triangulate what you're looking at and, and so forth. I, I'm just trying to imagine a little bit into the future. At the end of the day, there has to be a way, whether it's muscles of your face or something that you know you can read, where it, it indicates that you are either satisfied and done with the content, or you want to save it for later, or you want to engage with it now. Right. Or it's irrelevant, so please move on, right? And right. I, I can easily imagine a scenario where you're staring at your phone or a device and it's it's and it stops for three seconds, then flips again. Oh, this one's interesting, you know, and then it stashes away for later. And so you kind of become like the human's eyes now become the bottleneck towards you being able to consume content. Maybe you have electrodes sticking into your brain. I I think we're reaching the sort of the end of at least a two-dimensional device. Okay. Uh, I think the spatial computing that you know the Mac headsets are really or Apple headsets are you know proposing might be you know, the next kind of leap forward, maybe having mm-hmm. that entire thing built into your contact lens might be much better right. because you wake up, you have your digital assistant waiting for you on the side of the room kind of a thing, and you can just go on about your day as you get, you know, natural human interactions in. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting. I did notice in the Wall Street Journal today about Amazon and their whole, you know, payments with your hand. Oh, that, hand. that is actually a really delightful experience, by the way. You I know, and that you time. can walk, and they're using it for now that, you know, I can walk into a bar and put my hand over yep. and, yep. She's yes. she's yeah. over twenty one, or if I'm a member of a loyalty and rewards program, yeah, you know, I, I can just use my my palm to trigger those acknowledgments, which I thought was pretty cool. Is speed technology here to stay, and will consumers look to brands to employ it more readily? I absolutely think so. If anything, I just don't think that the world has crossed the sort of the revolution of what I truly consider ultimate personalization. All, all I'm trying to say here is that. With advancement in computing and AI, personalization of everything that you do, whether it's your insurance premiums, whether it's... I mean, that's what Tesla does, right? They look at your driving Mm -hmm. habits and they personalize your insurance premiums for you. But as more and more and more data is known and collected about yourself for the right reasons and with the right privacy controls, obviously, I think that there is a bigger role for AI to play. And AI can generate content very, very cheaply. Mm-hmm. And you as a human being don't have the time and effort and energy and, and you can't keep up with all of that. Mm-hmm. So somebody needs to organize what you consume in your entire life, whether it's banking, now competing with driving context, with health context, with you know what to study and what to read and whatnot. So yeah, I, 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 I absolutely think that more and more industries should try to innovate themselves by thinking about what the user needs right now. And mm-hmm. sooner or later, they will come back to, okay, the best UX format, therefore, is a feed. Right. Otherwise, you will always have to redo your UX and in, in, in whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. When I was uh, originally pitching the feed to you know, financial companies, I used to use an analogy. What if the bank brick-and-mortar layout could dynamically switch depending on what I need that day? Mm-hmm. What if that day I wanted to withdraw money and... The $200 I wanted to withdraw is already in an envelope waiting for me. And all I had to do was just come pick it up. Oh, on the way, let me learn about the latest mortgage rates. 
So mm-hmm. the way that if you really think about it, like things that are not possible in the legacy physical world is all possible in a construct like a feed. Mm-hmm. And as long as you're trying to serve the users right and put your customer's interest in front, I think that feed technology is absolutely here to stay. And I do think that more and more industries will end up adopting it. Right. And it goes back to, like you said, feeding up the right things to me at the right time. Yeah. Right. To make sense. Yeah. So thank you so much, first of all, for all of your time. Is there anything else that you wanted to add or that we didn't touch upon? No, I mean, not I, not, not really. Not because I'm not interested in this conversation or anything. It's just because we've covered a lot of grounds. But as you dig deeper and deeper into this, we'll, you know, it might, a lot of emotions in my sort of head and heart goes against like collide with each other, which is what is right for the user? Mm-hmm. What is right for the company? Mm-hmm. And why don't they always align? Therefore, we can make progress forward. And it's a very complex ecosystem. I mean, we talk, spoke a little bit about why banking might not be interested. Not that they don't see the value, but you know, just not... Well, it's an investment, investment right? right? And, and when it, it's... And I hear what you're saying. It's that value. Right. Yeah, and correct, to have, correct. I don't mind paying more for anything that's going to deliver that value. Mm-hmm. And sometimes what I might qualify as being valuable is not necessarily what my bank would think is valuable Absolutely. for their operation. Absolutely. So, yeah. And, and that's why, you know, we've covered a lot of grounds today. But ultimately, I think both you and I want this world to be a better place. Mm-hmm. And this is where my heart is like, okay. Now that we, you know, now that I've recounted all the things that I've sort of uh, experienced and learned about, you know, feeds and personalization, how can I actually take that and actually, you know, push things forward? But I thank you so much. It was wonderful to catch up with you again today. And maybe we can have you back um, because there's so much more to dig into, especially as you go into the AI world and, and all of that. Thank you for your time. Thanks for having me, Tricia. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of The Feedcast, created and produced by Relay Network. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe to be notified of future episodes and give Relay Network a follow on LinkedIn. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Relay Network, nor should they be taken as legal advice. We recommend consulting your own legal team when considering your customer engagement strategy and practices.